Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hi guys, I hope you're doing well. Uh, family and friends, thank you guys for um, tuning in with us and, and uh, just digging into the Word of God with us. We're talking about engaging Jesus. It's a great uh, series about uh, Jesus coming to earth and engaging with us. So want to welcome you. Thank you for being here with us. There's, there's a lot of things going on, BCC people. Uh, good things to look forward to as the spring continues to come our way and summer and uh, Bible camps are, are being planned as we speak. So, so as we continue to move forward, hopefully good things are going to happen and we can get out more and uh, be a part of life, normal life, as uh, most of us are all missing and used to and uh so big summer plans coming our way baseball season is is beginning uh coaching a little bit of uh middle school baseball having a lot of fun with these guys and uh god is good and uh just excited to uh to to have some sunshine you know and uh to be able to get outside and and so stay safe be smart and um Again, thanks for being with us. We're, we're, we're talking about this idea of engaging Jesus. And there's really like two things about engaging Jesus that I'm trying to uh, help us think about, chew on. One is his engagement with us. Like Jesus comes to earth and he engages with us as people. To me, that is huge. That is God making a move toward us. That's how much God loves us, that he would... He would come to us when there was no way we could ever get to him. And the second part of this engagement is Jesus's engagement through us or our engagement with the world as we, as we are being transformed by his grace and his love and his word. The outcome of that is that we engage the world, that we go out and we draw people to Christ and we help people understand what God has done for us. Remember, Jesus, when we think about the, the Gospels and, and, and the life of Jesus, he, Jesus engages people in lots of different ways, in different places, different kinds of people, different kinds of situations. And there are those two things that we have to take uh, from this series, and that is, that is uh, those two things, our personal engagement with him, and then Jesus's impact through you. And so what I'd like us to think about is that question. The greatest question like that you could ever ask another person. You know, what is that one question that you could ask somebody from your own life, your own heart, from you and God working together, that you could ask a person that wouldn't offend them, but will cause them to really think about their relationship with God. How could you word that? And there's a zillion ways to word a question like that. But how can you, as an individual, walking with God, how can you word it in such a way that it is coming from you? That's, that's one of the goals of this series, is, is for us to go out and engage the world in a way that draws people to Jesus so that they can engage with Jesus. And so we're talking about, well, last week, last week we, we, Jesus was uh, 
uh, preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, he's up on the hill, lots of people, there's a crowd. And uh, he's teaching them a number of things, marriage and divorce and prayer and all kinds of things, murder and being salt and light and all those cool things we see in Matthew 5 and 7. And he asks several questions in the Sermon on the Mount. He just throws out a question to get people to think. And sometimes that's what Jesus does. That's his style. He, he asks a question, which is why we're striving to come up with that one question. So that, like Jesus, we can ask people a question that is going to get them to think, not make them mad. Um, but anyhow, in the Sermon on the Mount last week, we said Jesus asked a question. And the question was, why do you worry? Why do you worry? Why do you worry about what you put on, what you eat, what you drink? And uh, how God takes care of those who love him. And he loves all of us. But those who love God, who want a relationship with God, who have come into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ being washed and forgiven, are now children of God again. Bought back with a price. And that price was Jesus' death on the cross. And so when we enter into that relationship with Jesus, we, we become children of God again. Not separated, but united again with God. And so there's a question that, that we want to ask the world because at some point we had to answer the question about who Jesus is and who God is. And so God drew us into this relationship with him. We're now made one with him again, and now what we want to do is go out and help other people come into that relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus throws out this question, why do you worry? Well, today, today we're going uh, we're gonna, to we're gonna see Jesus. Jesus is going to meet a guy. And, um, and there's an, a great encounter that happens with Jesus and this person that, that I want us to look at. His name is Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus is a wee little man. The Bible says he's a short man. And uh, the story that we read about is in Luke chapter 10, or Luke, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. So if you have your Bibles, go to uh, Luke, Luke 19, beginning in verses 1 to 10. We're going to read this together, and we're going to kind of dig into this a little bit. Because there's some really good stuff in here about Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. Okay? And what Jesus does and how Jesus goes about it is a, a perfect example for us as we go out into the world and engage with people in hopes that they will engage with Jesus. And so this is very important for us as believers as followers of Jesus, disciples of Christ, wanting to, to be imitators and representatives of God in the world, this kind of stuff is really important for us. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho, the town of Jericho. He's passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree, fig tree, 
to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this too, man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's a huge statement. Because that statement involves me and it involves you. It involves every one of us. But today it involves Zacchaeus. Jesus came to seek and to save Zacchaeus, the lost. And so this is a great story about Zacchaeus, right? This is a great, great story about this guy, this person. He's just another person like you and like me. He's, he's an individual. You know, there's, there's, there's millions of people in the country. There's millions of people on the planet. Zacchaeus is just another guy and Jesus is going to have this like really cool encounter with Zacchaeus and we know some things about Zacchaeus okay there's some things that we we already know about him about his life from the text from the scripture okay he lives in Jericho that's where he's from that's where Jesus went to the town of Jericho he is he is a chief tax Collector. Now, that, that's kind of an important little thought right there because it describes, it describes Zacchaeus' livelihood, but also his status in the community. And I got to tell you, it's not a good one. Zacchaeus is a chief publican or tax collector. Now, our tax collectors today, we, we, you know, we don't, nobody likes to pay taxes, but we, we, we know we have to. We file our taxes at, at the beginning of the year, and uh, we, we sometimes have to pay, sometimes we get money back, but nobody likes to pay any kind of taxes or tolls, right? It's just, you know, it's like more money out of our pocket that we earned that we have to give back to, like, the government, and it's not a fun thing to do to be taxed. And, and Zacchaeus, he is a, a chief tax collector for the Roman government, and he is a child of Abraham. So he's a Jewish guy taxing the people in his community and then giving that money to the Roman government. They don't like Zacchaeus. In fact, they don't like people. The community does not like tax collectors at all, at all. Think about it like this. Zacchaeus is a receiver of the people's money, their taxes. And he imposes taxes on the community. And, and, and at this time, there was free reign on how he went about this. Like, he could set up toll booths. 
If you crossed a bridge that the Roman government built, he could set up a booth there and collect money as you cross that bridge. If you get in a boat and travel the waterways, well, that's part of Roman territory, common land. He could tax you for doing that. So the more creative you were, the more ways you could find new ways to tax people. And, and what happens is he takes a chunk of that tax and he sends it to the, the Roman government and that appeases them because they got money coming in from all of the tax collectors that are out there in their emperor, empire. <laughs> and, and he then keeps the rest and puts it in his bank account, right? He's got it in his pocket. And so he's getting rich. The government's happy because he's taxing people and everyone around him thinks he's a real jerk. So, so what's going on here is, is, is that uh, Zacchaeus is, is looked down to. He's not just a little guy, but he's also looked down to because he's a little guy that has governmental power behind him and he, he can get away with doing things that nobody else can get away with. Could you imagine here in your town or in Burlington if, if uh, the tax collector said, hey man, a lot of people use Church Street. Let's, let's set up a booth at, uh, in South, on South Church Street and let's set up a booth on North Church Street and we're going to start taxing people for using Church Street and we're going to get a dollar out of them. Every time they cross this booth, they got to pay a buck. No big deal really, right? But those dollars add up. Could you imagine that? I remember when I uh, when I was on a mission trip to Haiti, I went there by myself, and I, me and Ronnie, Ronnie Bernard is a Haitian, and he was one of our translators. Every time I've gone to Haiti, Ronnie was part of our group and helped us uh, get around. Well, me and Ronnie connected. I went over there, spent uh, spent my time with Ronnie. Uh, we I stayed with him, and we rented a vehicle and we traveled all over Haiti. And I remember uh, we were going up north. Haiti, up at the top of Haiti from Port-au-Prince, and it was a road that wasn't really a road. It was more like a path, but we were driving on it. It felt like we were like out in the mountains in the hills country, out away from everything and everyone, and it was this little hill that we climbed up on top of, and uh, we saw big boulders blocking the only path forward. Cliff on our right, Hills to our left, flat land, we're driving over, we come up to these rocks, and as soon as we got to the rocks, five or six guys with some younger people, like kids, all with rifles, come out from the woods. They come out of nowhere, and we're like in the middle of nowhere, and our bodies could have been disposed of very easily, and no one would have even known we were gone for a long time. But these guys come up to our car with their rifles. And what they had done was turn that road into a toll booth. I don't, we don't know if they own the land, we didn't ask, but they wanted money. They wanted money out of us to move the boulders so we could go forward. And without the money, they weren't moving the boulders. And they had guns and we did not. So we gave them the money they moved the boulders and we went on forward. But they had set up their own little toll booth. That's what Zacchaeus kind of was doing. He was just like, 
making the most of his position as a taxpayer. And he was known, he was looked at as a real, a real political scoundrel, a real scoundrel. Like people didn't like him. He didn't like him. They didn't like him at all. Uh, he's a short man. Uh, his name, get this, his name means pure or innocent. Zacchaeus, pure. Now at this time, he is not very pure and he's not very innocent. But that's the cool thing about Jesus' engagement in our life. God knows what we're going to become. You may not be there yet. You may, not, you may be a long way away from where God wants you to be in your life. But God knows what you can be. The potential for your future is always right there. It all depends on, are we going to turn to God and discover our potential in God that he created us with? Or are we going to continue to wander on our own ways, our own paths, and do things our own way and not reach the potential that God has for us? For Zacchaeus, his name means pure his name means innocent, and no, he is not that right now, but he is going to become that one day because of his encounter with Jesus and the decision he chooses to make. It's a beautiful story. It's so fitting for every one of us, this guy that nobody liked. Here's the other thing about Zacchaeus. He was very ingenious, you know, in some ways you think about that. Most short people would have just tried to fight their way to the front of the crowd to see Jesus. But not Zacchaeus, he's like, he's looking around, he's going, man, I want to see Jesus. I want to talk to Jesus. I want to, I want to get a glimpse of Jesus. And all these people, like all I see is like their backs. And so he climbs up in a tree. Like, like that's kind of creative if you think about it. He's an ingenious kind of guy, Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man. But in some ways, in many ways, he's, he's just like us. He's just another person living on the earth, trying to figure it out. But Jesus is coming his way, and he wants to make the most of that moment. Then there's the crowd, right? There's this crowd of people, and they're all around. Jesus is coming to town. This is Jericho. And uh, they know about Jesus. They've heard about Jesus, things he's done. So they're, they're crowding around Jesus. They want to maybe hear something he might say. They want to see something that he might do. You know, do something cool for us, Jesus, like like David Blaine. Like, you know, do some kind of magic trick, you know? Do something to wow us. And they're gathered around, and, 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 and they're, they mutter, you know? They're muttering. They're the muttering crowd. And the, the thing that they mutter is he has gone to the home of a sinner. Like, like when it's all kind of moving forward, that's how, what they're going to mutter. That's their attitude. Look, why, why didn't he come to my house? Why didn't he do something cool for us? But they say, oh man, what? He's going to that guy's house? The guy that everybody hates? He, that sinner? Jesus, this righteous, holy guy? is going to go and stay at the house of a sinner that everyone knows is unfair and, and a thief. He's gotten wealthy off of all of us. Jesus is going to go stay at that guy's house? And they're murmuring to each other how evil that seems to be. But this is powerful. This is powerful because... 
what's about to happen to Zacchaeus is going to not only change Zacchaeus's life, but it's going to impact the entire community. Like, like Zacchaeus is not, you know, the one that everyone would think Jesus would pick. Like if you're looking at people to pick to go stay at their house, Zacchaeus is not, you know, that likely, uh, that likely candidate. And so there's Zacchaeus, that wee little man, that tax collector, nobody likes. He's up in a tree. There's the crowd of people who have gathered around and they're watching and listening to everything Jesus is going to do and say. And then there's Jesus. There's Jesus. There he is, right? And Jesus, in this situation, in this event, once again, Jesus makes all the difference in the world. He makes all the difference in the world. First of all, he goes to Jericho, right? Jesus goes to Jericho. Jericho is known as the, 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 the city of palms because it has a spring there. It's not far from the Jordan River. You know, this is the town that Moses looked from the mountains and saw. It's the first town that, that Joshua led the troops in that took over the town of Jericho. This is Jericho. It's a very popular city. Lots going on there. Lots of uh, transportation moving through it. It's a, it's a key city. And it's got water. So there's greenery. There's palm trees. There's life. And there's health. And so it's a beautiful city. And Jesus goes to Jericho. That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Jesus goes to Jericho. He didn't have to go to Jericho, but he went to Jericho. Another interesting thing about Jesus is this, is that out of all the people and all the crowds there, he notices Zacchaeus. Maybe because he's up in this tree and he's wondering, what are you doing up there? Like, but he notices Zacchaeus out of all the people and he, he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you come down. Like that, those are his words. He doesn't ask Zacchaeus. Maybe he did. He maybe, maybe, you know, what we have in the text is, 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 is the basic truths of the conversation, the, the, the most important things that we need to know about what happened here. But, but there's other conversation that had to happen. Uh, there's a gap here that's going to happen between the time of this encounter on the path and now they're at the house. And uh, Jesus says salvation has come to this house. And so there's, there's other things that were shared and said that we don't have recorded. Maybe Jesus said, young man, what, what is your name? And, and, and maybe he said, you know, I'm Zacchaeus. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus. You know, so maybe Jesus started this thing off with a question. Maybe he just... Maybe Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was before this ever happened. Maybe Jesus knew that he was going to Jericho. He was going to meet a guy named Zacchaeus. He was going to be in a little tree and he was going to go to his house. And Jesus may have known all this was going to unfold before he ever left Galilee to go to Jericho. Maybe, maybe. He was fully God, but Jesus was also fully human. So I tend to think, and this is my view is that Jesus didn't know all that. Jesus knew he had to go to Jericho. Jesus knew, hey, something, something is going to unfold there. I'm going to look for opportunity. 
And here it is. He's on this road. There's a guy in a tree. Jesus asks him a question. And now it's all beginning to unfold. And so Jesus begins to realize, here's why I'm in Jericho. Here's the impact I'm going to have on Jericho. It's going to happen through this guy I'm meeting right now in this tree named Zacchaeus. Now, I believe that's how a lot of what Jesus did happen. Could he know everything? Yes. But I think to identify with you and me as a human being, the human side of Jesus, I think he had to struggle through things just like you and I do. Like when, when, when we want to serve God and we want to go out and do something great for God, we, we don't know what exactly God wants us to do. All we do know is we've got to go and do something. And so we find something to go do and we're praying, God, use me. God, your will be done in my life. God, show me what it is you want me to do. But it isn't until we begin engaging in it sometimes that we realize this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. But we would never have known that yesterday. We only know that today because we're engaged in it. And now God begins to make it very clear that this is exactly where he wants us. I believe that that's how it is for most of us. And I believe that's how it was in some ways at times for Jesus. And so this encounter happens with Zacchaeus and Jesus is like now realizing maybe, hey, this is exactly why I'm here. That's a, this is powerful for us. God doesn't like send us down a book and say, here's your life. You know, on day one, you're going to do this on day. That, that is not how it works. It works out like this. I'll take care of you. You just follow me. You just seek my face and desire to do my will. And I will lead your steps as you step out. Your left foot goes, I'll guide it. Your right foot goes, I'll guide it. Doesn't give us a map to everything that's going to happen. He just says, be faithful as you live, serve the world, love people, point them to me, and I'll guide your steps. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing right now, what God is doing in Christ right now. And he says to him, you come down. And Jesus then invites himself, or so it seems, to Zacchaeus's home. Like, we're going to go to your house today. Come on down here. Like, immediately, Zacchaeus, I'm gonna, I want to stay at your house. Like, is that cool? Is that okay? And, and for Zacchaeus, that was like, what? What? You want to, nobody likes me. Everybody hates my guts. And Jesus wants to come and stay at my house. And the scripture says that Zacchaeus is ecstatic and he welcomes him gladly. Like Jesus is coming to my house. He's a wealthy guy. He's got a nice house. And that's not why Jesus is going to stay with Zacchaeus. See, what some of the things that I think that Jesus is more aware of than we are is the outcome of the encounter. How this encounter is going to impact this community greater than any other encounter possibly could. He has picked a guy, the most unlikely guy to be liked by the community, and he is going to make a huge transformation in his life that nobody is going to be able to deny. And that impact of a guy who is crooked and a thief 
and hated by the community is, is going to become the nicest guy. He's going to ask for forgiveness. His life is going to be changed because of Jesus and everyone's going to know it. And the impact of that is going to be powerful. We don't even know what the impact is later on. We don't know the rest of the story. But we know that Jesus picks Zacchaeus for a very important reason. And I think this is why, in part. And so Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly. And here is then, here is this engaging Jesus, right? Jesus is engaging with the people. And he's engaging at this moment Zacchaeus. And there's a, a few things that we can't help but notice about Jesus's approach to the whole scenario, right? To Zacchaeus, to the crowd, to the whole situation, whether Jesus knew it was all going to unfold in detail or whether he knew very little about it, but he just was walking by faith like you and I walk by faith. But here's some of the things that we see happen through Jesus, right? That we cannot ignore. Jesus creates opportunity. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Jesus creates opportunity by going to Jericho. We don't know how much he knew about this event and all the details of it, but one thing we do know is he went to Jericho. He went to a place where an opportunity could present itself. That's really important for you, and that's really important for me. It's, it's why people go on mission trips. It's why we go to the inner city. It's why we go do these things. It's why we, we get engaged in the community. Not because we know how everything's going to unfold, but because we want to create an opportunity for the possibility of something to unfold. And if you don't go, it will never happen. But if you go, you create an opportunity for something to happen. Jesus leaves his hometown and he goes to Jericho. That's a really important truth. The second thing is this. Jesus, along the way, whether he knew or not, when we go to Haiti, when we go to Mexico, wherever we go, we kind of have an idea of what we're going to, what we're going to do in part. But the fact of the matter is, anything can happen at any given moment. There have been times where we have gone to Haiti and we've been presented with a dying baby that was left out in a bucket outside of their tent after the hurricane because these people were living in these tent cities and when their babies were dying, they would put them in a bucket outside their tent to die. We've been presented with that. We didn't know that was going to happen. We had no idea that was going to happen. And so now we're in the middle of a, an opportunity. And we have created the opportunity by going and being with the people there. And here comes this moment. And so Jesus, he's waiting for the right moment as he's going to Jericho. Maybe it's going to happen on day one, maybe on day two, maybe on day three, maybe on the way, maybe in the town. Maybe there's going to be a number of opportunities. But he's waiting for the right moment. He put himself in a place to create an opportunity. And now he's waiting for the right moment to happen. 
This is really, really important for us. If, if we're followers of Jesus, really, and we're like, God, I, I just want to be used by you, God. Like in this world, I just want to be used by the creator of the universe to help people find their way back to God. That's really all I want in life. The stuff of the world, it's nice, but it, really, I don't need any of it. I really don't need any of that. What I really want is just to be used by God and to follow him and to be his disciple and to be faithful to him. If that's really what we want, then he's going to lead us and we're going to go and we're going to look for the right opportunity and we're going to wait for the right moment. Another thing that we see in Jesus is that when the opportunity presented itself, and I've missed many opportunities, there have been many good opportunities that have come my way in the middle of things and I have blown it. I have missed it. But when the opportunity came for Jesus, he makes the most of it. He does not shy down. He does not back down. He does not walk by. And lots of opportunities do come our way in life. We see people at the grocery store. We see people on the side of the road. We see people begging for money. We see causes all over the place that we could jump on. But they're not all for us. We can't do all of them. And so what we have to do is be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life and God working in us, which, which is why we need to be so in tune with him that when that right moment comes, we know it. We're like, this is it. This is why I'm on this path to see this guy Zacchaeus. This is why I'm right here where I'm supposed to be for this very moment. And we make the most of it. We make the most of the opportunity. Check this out. This is so important. Jesus is not care. He doesn't give a rip about popular opinion or about political correctness. And, and that's one of the things in this world that freak most people out or most Christians out is we don't want to be politically incorrect, say the wrong thing, offend the wrong person. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you do. You are going to offend somebody. Somehow, some way. You're going to. It doesn't matter what you do. Somebody is not going to like the fact that you did it or that you said it. And the cool thing about this is Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he doesn't care what the people think about Zacchaeus. He doesn't care what the people are going to think about him for going to Zacchaeus's house. All that matters to Jesus is that this is the opportunity that he is standing right here for and he's going to make the most of it. And he doesn't care what other people think when it comes to loving people for Jesus or for God, okay? He doesn't care. If it's about truth, we're not gonna, we're not gonna just offend people just because we can. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is when we have to make a choice between standing up for truth and loving people for God, we're gonna do that every time, no matter what anybody else thinks. Doesn't matter. That is so cool. He doesn't care about popular opinion or political correctness. 
And the other thing is this. He doesn't care about the man's history at all. What was going on in Zacchaeus' past doesn't matter to Jesus at all. He does pick Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is the most unlikely person but one who would show the most change. And that's what we don't understand. We pick people who are already there. Jesus picks people who are a long way to go because in that case, they know how desperately they need God. The, 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 the evidence of the change in their life is going to be so drastic that everyone will notice. And the miracle can only happen if God does it. And that's why Jesus always picks people like me and like like you, fishermen, stinky people that nobody wants to be around. And he does something in our life that changes us and he begins to use us for a good purpose in a good way. And we just keep striving to follow him. It's what we do. So here it's Zacchaeus. Here Jesus picks Zacchaeus. But at some point in the future or in the past, at some time years ago, Jesus picked you. And think about this, okay? All that's gone into Jesus' engagement with Zacchaeus, one day in the past, Jesus went through a whole lot of things to reach you, to reach me. People that he put in our life, circumstances that he brought in and out. He drew us to him patiently, lovingly drawing us to him, to his grace, to his love, to his forgiveness. He, he did what he did for Zacchaeus. He did that for me. And he did that for you too, in different ways, different circumstances, but he did that. And then what we see here is the impact. And the impact in Zacchaeus' life is undeniable. There's, there's a little gap between, between this encounter I mentioned already, this encounter with Zacchaeus and the tree, and come on down, and, and then we're at Zacchaeus' house. And so there's some time span here, maybe a little bit of time that went on between uh, you know, their, their conversation to, to Zacchaeus' house. But, but there is evidence that Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus has now changed his life, and it's changed his life forever. And in verse 8, Zacchaeus says, I give, I give half of my possessions to the poor. I will, I will give half of everything that I own. I'm going to give it to the poor. He has met Jesus. Jesus has gone to his house. He understands who Jesus is. And Jesus loves him, and he, he affirms and confirms that God loves him. And now Zacchaeus wants to show that he's going to be a different person. And immediately he begins to give away his stuff, half of his things. And he says, if I've wronged anybody, if I have offended anybody in a, in a, in a bad way, or I've taken advantage of anybody and their money, I will pay them back four times the amount. This is a changed man. And the change, the transformation happens immediately. Immediately. And it begs the question for me, and it begs the question for you. When you gave your life to Jesus, did anything change? Did your life change? Are you doing things differently today because Jesus is in your life? Or are you doing what you would do 
if Jesus wasn't in your life? How are you behaving? How are you acting? How are you treating the world, people? How are you living your life? What's going on in your thinking, in your, your processing of life and decisions? Are you trying to honor God in all that you do? Or is, are you just doing things the way you would do them without God in your life? Zacchaeus, he is a changed man. And in, in verse 9, the scripture says, Jesus said to him, Today, right now, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. He's a Jew. For the Son of, of Man came to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus in this very moment, this very encounter with Jesus, is being offered the greatest opportunity of his life. He's being offered the greatest opportunity of his life, and that is to have Jesus in his life, living in him. Guiding, directing, moving, empowering, saving Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus does not blow the opportunity. He jumps all over the opportunity. And he shows clear evidence that he wants to be a changed person by giving away things that he now realizes don't matter. Salvation has come to his house. These things don't matter. They don't matter. They're not that important anymore. The one thing he was living for, wealth and possessions, he has now turned in for salvation in Jesus. He has chosen the greater over the lesser, even though the world would say, this is awesome. This is what you should aspire to. This is what you should change, chase after. Zacchaeus realizes that there's things that are far greater than all the riches of the world. And he says, I'm giving it away. I don't need this stuff anymore. I, I used to live for this stuff, but I'm not going to anymore because I have an opportunity to have a relationship with the God of all creation and have eternal life in him. And I will gladly take eternal life in Jesus over stuff that is going to perish one day. Zacchaeus jumps all over the opportunity. You know, Jesus engaged. He engaged with people. And he wants to engage people through you. He wants you to engage with him. And he wants to engage the world through you. And his example to you and I, this story about Zacchaeus, it really leads the way. It leads the way and it begs from us to have some way of engaging with the world that will allow the world to want to know Jesus. And when I say the world, I mean people. The people that you come in contact with, the people you work with, the people you see fairly regularly. What is that one question? What is that one question? How can you word a simple question to ask people from, from here on out? That you could just say, hey, hey, can I ask you a question? You know, we've been friends a long time. Can I ask you just a question? It's, it's, it's a serious question, and I want to prepare you for that, but can I ask you this question? 
Yeah, man, go ahead. What is it? Sure, we've been friends a while. And you have, you have from your heart and from the word of God the perfect question that you can ask a friend and get them to begin to think and then to get them to begin to ask you questions and then to get them to begin to look at the Bible and say, what does God say about this? And if you will just put yourself in position where you're in the lives of people that don't know Jesus, and then you wait for the right moment, the right opportunity. And then you take advantage of that opportunity by making the most of it. And then you have a question that you can propose that won't offend them, but will draw them in. You are doing exactly what Jesus did to Zacchaeus when you think it through like this. When you strive to put yourself in situations where you can make the most sorry, of, of the situation. Jesus wants to engage the world through you, through me. You know, I, I think the greatest engagement truth from this encounter that Jesus has with Zacchaeus is this. It's this. It wasn't enough that Jesus left heaven and came to earth. That wasn't enough for God, that he just came here and he sat on some holy hill and he told us all to come to him. That's not what God is about. He not only left heaven and came to earth, but then Jesus laces up his sandals and he walks on a dirty dirt road, a dusty dirt road to the town of Jericho, looking for that one opportunity that he might have that God, his father, would present to him. And there he is in a tree and his name is Zacchaeus. Jesus came from heaven to Zacchaeus. That is incredible. He came from heaven to you and to me, and he made himself real to us. And I think the greatest truth that we take out of this is that we got to be more like Jesus. Lace up our sandals and go. Not just go play. If play is involved, fine, but go on a mission for Jesus. And if you use play to do that, do it. But don't go to play. Go on a mission and let play be the tool that you use on your mission. Jesus came here on a mission. And everywhere he went, everything he did was part of his creating opportunity for the mission. The most important part. It's not enough. You know, we, we hear about this story of Zacchaeus. And it's not enough for you and me to sit here and go, wow, that, that's pretty cool. That's, that is so nice. What a nice story. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. That, that's so nice. You know what? That's not enough. It's not enough for us to say how nice. It's not enough. We have got to figure out a way to go and do the same. That's it. We've got to figure out a way, now that God has impacted us, we've got to figure out a way to go and impact the world. A changing, chaotic, COVID-ridden world. However we can, we've got to figure out a way to get in there so that we have opportunity and we can see the opportunity and seize the opportunity and make the most of the opportunity. But we've got to go.
like Jesus came to you and to me. Let Jesus, let Jesus use you. Let Jesus engage the world through you. And let's impact this world for the kingdom of God. There's no greater impact that you could have on the planet. None. None. This is the greatest impact you could ever have. And what I'm hoping you'll do now for a moment is just think. If you would, just bow your heads with me. Just bow your heads and just think with me right now. Think about a way that you can engage the world in a way that you are not. Or, or maybe you're engaging the world and you don't realize it's, it's your opportunity to take the mission of Jesus with you. And you've been engaging, but you haven't been on mission. And what you need to do is go on mission and then engage. And so maybe for you, it's like, I'm already involved in the world. I'm just not using it for the glory of God. I'm using it just to play. I'm using it just to be busy, to entertain myself. And maybe for you, it's time to make that your mission field. Maybe you don't engage the world at all. You're home a lot. And what you need to do is figure out a way that you can get involved somewhere in a community. And you can be engaged in the world and bring the gospel, bring the truth of Jesus' love to the world. How are you going to do that? And I would hope and pray. I'm going to pray. You don't have to do this, but I'm, I'm going to ask you because I want to know. I just want to know what God's going to do in this. Text me. Just send me a text. Send me a text to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what God is leading me to do. I, I would love to hear those. I would even share those if you say, hey, you can share this. I would share those with, with us, with this group, uh, in the next few weeks. I'll, I'll share those. If you share them with me, I'll share them with us. And I would love to hear what God is going to do in your heart and how that's going to happen. Because to me, if we don't go out and do something, we're just talking. We're just talking. And the world doesn't need talk. God doesn't need our talk. What he needs is our walk. He needs us to go and do. Please, let me know what God is doing in your life. You have a great week. God bless you. I love you. Be safe. Be smart. Stay in the word. And uh, let's, let's, let's get on mission. Let's go to all the world like Jesus came to us. And let's share the good news with them. God bless you. Have a great week.